I was really blessed by worship today. Thank you, worship team. I was really blessed and humbled just to hear about the name of Jesus and who Jesus is. You know, church, it's true that darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. Amen? Can you just say amen? Amen. You know, church is true that this is what he does. He loves you. Amen? Amen. Church is true that this is what he did. He died for you. Amen? Amen? Church, this is true that in his name you can overcome. Amen? Church is true that in Jesus, in his name alone, you have peace and hope. Amen. Amen. I feel like this is just the word of, of God for you this morning is look to me. Look to me. Look to me. Look to me. And I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will give you hope. You know, they they often say that when you're going to preach a message, you know, whatever the topic is, you can expect to go through the ringer that week. Have you ever heard someone say it before? Man, I am living proof of that this morning. I have been humbled by Jesus. Because I want to talk about being prepared for glory. Yeah, cool. Amen? Like, how many of you are excited to be in glory? Okay, put up your hand. Like, seriously. How, like, an eternal weight of glory. How many of you are excited to be in an eternal weight of glory? Put up your hands. Okay? Yeah, shout to God. Amen. How many of you excited to be prepared for that glory? I heard some amens. I saw zero hands. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. An eternal weight of glory. Have you ever taken a a moment to think about an eternal weight of glory, like what that would be like? I have. And I got really excited about it. And I can't wait. And we'll talk about it later. The problem is that as I sat over this scripture, I couldn't get past the first six words. So we do not lose heart. Yes, I do. All the time. Though our outer self is wasting away. Yep, I got that one. Yeah, that's good. I'm almost 50. I feel my outer self wasting away all the time. Every time I exercise, every time I try to get out of bed, I can, yes, that is true. Uh, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Yeah, that's what they tell me. This is what the Lord's doing. I, I think I can grasp that. I'm going to stop squinting and just look here. Uh, for this light and momentary affliction. How many of you feel like your your afflictions are light? No. Anybody here uh, experiencing any momentary ones? Yeah, there's one person. They're preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. I'm in. I'm in all the way. The problem is, is the next two words have caught me and gripped me really hard this week. As we, as we what? As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And it was this humbling experience that I have a real issue with looking at things that are seen. And it causes me to lose heart in a real, real quick manner. Amen? When God did not call us 
to look at things that are unseen, or sorry, seen, but to look at things that are unseen. And I'm sitting here listening to the worship today, and I'm like, here it is. It's Jesus. We're called to look to Jesus. But I can't get my eyes off my problem. Church, can I just start by saying this morning that we we spend far too much time looking at our problems than gazing at eternity with Jesus. And someone say amen to that. Man, we far, we spend far too much time spending time looking at our surroundings and our circumstances and how hard it is. And it is hard. I'm not going to minimize. We'll talk about that. It is hard, but we spend all this time and we spend so little time gazing on the things that are unseen, namely Jesus and an eternal weight of glory. Me, I do. I'll just say it for myself. That's, that's how I spend my days. And I get stuck on these first six words. And we come to church and we start singing. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. I'm like, praise Jesus, he does. I've got to start looking to the things that are unseen right now or I am going to die. First Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Is that you today? And we don't see Jesus tangibly. When was the last time we saw Jesus? Physically. But I find this, this scripture almost offensive. And even when I just first Peter 1.8, like that, isn't that offensive? Like, like my... My expression should be, listen to this, joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. When you think about Jesus, is that what comes to heart? Is that what comes to mind? Because this is who you are in Christ Jesus. You have been bought by the blood. He lives inside of you, church. He is reigning. He is for you. And as I spent time in this scripture this week... I, I mean, I was brought to multiple tears, right? Paul, Paul, Rob, you can attest to this. As I sat on Wednesday morning, just weeping under the weight of affliction. And this word came out of me. This, this line came out of me. Have I lost the glory of who Jesus is? Like, how can I possibly preach this message And church, have we lost the glory of who Jesus is and who he says he is? Have we? Have you? This is a question for you. We just sang about it. I saw people sing. I heard people sing. And I heard people raising their voices, lifting their hands. Man, we believe. But when it comes to walking through afflictions or being prepared or or whatever you want to call them, have we lost the, the wonder about who Jesus really is? Because Jesus is amazing, is he not? Like, can I just brag about Jesus? Jesus is amazing. Like, he is amazing with a capital A. And that word doesn't even describe who Jesus is. Like, I feel this temptation to hold back on how great Jesus is because I don't want to offend you. But it's like, Jesus is so ama- Amazing. He's a way of life. He is the life. He is the way. He is the truth. And when Paul penned this portion of scripture, I mean, it's offensive because anytime you, you know, you want to even whisper to someone that their affliction is momentary and light, like you want to be a little bit well ways from them, right? Like you wouldn't want to say that to their face. Like, hey, just, just one second. You know, Paul, Paul says that your affliction is light and momentary. How can Paul say that? Have you ever like wondered, how can Paul say that? That's, that's crazy. Let me, let me, let me point it. Let me, let me, let me just show you how I think he, 
He says this. He says this in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 31. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings that are often near death. Five times I received the hands at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea. Danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure and apart from other things their daily pressure of my anxiety for all the churches you're like wow and then he says this line like in verse 31 the God and Father of our Lord Jesus he who is blessed knows that I am not lying. It's like he has to like ascertain, like he has to like, oh, I'm not, you, no, you, you don't believe me? You don't, you don't believe how, that's how hard it was for me? Go ask Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation, I remember like my three kids, you know, when they were a little younger, you hear your kids playing in the basement, right? And then little Owen, sorry, little O, we call him little O, all of a sudden he would start crying. And then dad's ears perks up and you hear some scuffling, you know, and I go stomping down the stairs, blah, blah, blah. And there's Taylor. No, 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 no. It was Owen. And I was just like, what? He's the one crying. (laughs) No, 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 but you don't understand. There's And Taylor comes up with this story. No, we were playing mom and dad and he was the puppy. And I promise I gave him his food and his water. And we were being kind. I just pet him. Oh, and I had toys for him. And he just bit me. Like out of nowhere, he just bit me. And I'm like, this can't be true. Like, come on. And then she does this. Ask Aaron. She, she, she was there. And that's what Paul's doing here. It's like, this is what it looks like to be in affliction. This is where I was, right? I penned this. They're light and momentary. This is all the things I've gone. You know, ask Jesus. He was there. Paul was a man who looked to Jesus. Jesus, he understood that Jesus was with him. And he knew him. And that's how he can say, man, these, these, these afflictions are light and momentary. His eyes were on the things that were unseen. His eyes were on things that were unseen. Because to walk through afflictions and even dare call them light and momentary is crazy. Unless Jesus is with you. Amen? Unless your gaze is firmly fixed on King Jesus. Here's what Paul's not saying. When he says they're light and momentary, I believe Paul would not be saying that these afflictions are easy. So if you're sitting here going, Greg, but you don't understand. No, I am not saying for one second that your affliction is easy. Someone, someone yell out an affliction. Things that you're thinking of right now. Finances. Some, yeah, struggling in finances. Anyone else? Addictions. Sorry, what? Addictions. Addictions. Yeah, amen. Health. Health. Yeah, stage four cancer. Anything else? Depression. Depression. Who? Grief. Grief. Anything else? Anxiety? Prodigals. Sorry? Prodigals. Prodigals. Betrayal. Betrayal. Hardly feel light and momentary, but Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. As we walk through our afflictions, we keep our eyes where? On things that are unseen. This is why I say to you, look to Jesus, church. Look to Jesus. And so I want to talk a little bit about these light and momentary afflictions from the perspective that Jesus is there. 
And I just, I just want you to see Jesus. And that's why I love worship this morning, because you were pointing us to the truth. Where's Kim? I'm, I'm looking at it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We are worshiping about who Jesus is. And that's, that's what I want to bring to you this morning, is this reminder of who Jesus is. Excuse me. I want to say first to you this morning that the Lord is acquainted with your situation. Acquainted is to be familiar with something because you've studied it or have experienced it before. Man, when you go into a challenging situation, when you tackle a, 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 any kind of situation where, you know, don't you want to bring the best of the best with you? Right? Like if you go for training, if you have a coach on something, you know, you don't want to get coached to play football by someone who's never played football before, do you? No? When you go to study Greek, you know, you, the last thing you want is your teacher to go, oh, I don't know anything about Greek. Uh, let's see what this book says right here, you know? No, we, we serve a Heavenly Father that walked our afflictions before us, that knows and is is intimately acquainted with everything that we could ever walk through. He has done it. He cares. He knows. He has felt it. He is a man of sorrows who is what? Acquainted with our grief. So when he calls us to walk through difficult times and consider it pure joy, we can know that he he knows how to do it. He knows how to get us through it. Amen? Now, he, he is not ignorant to the fact that he has called us to follow him and pick up our cross, having not picked up his own cross. He has been there. Amen? Amen. Jesus is acquainted with what you're going through. I don't know about you, but that brings me some peace when I go, th- go through hard times and Jesus says, look to me. It's like, no, he knows. He knows. He's walked this road before me. Young people, he has walked the road before you. Old people, he has walked this road before you. Our Jesus is acquainted with our situations. And I don't know about you, but that just brings me a peace and a comfort to know that he's got to know what he's doing. Amen? And he's got to know. He's got to know. Because he's walked this road of betrayal. He's walked the road of grief. He's had his closest friends deny him. He suffered pain. As no one can suffer pain. He's been there. And he is acquainted, church. Praise Jesus. Number two, the Lord is working it for your good. Man, I... I Honestly, when I was going through this, this section is filled with so many cliche verses. I was like, I can't, I can't say these scriptures. I can't. Like, these are like the posters you see with a cat hanging on the line, right? Like, hey, hang on. The better day is coming. And I was really hesitant to like go through these scriptures because I thought, well, this, well, they know this already. But then I thought to myself, I know this already. Why do I keep looking to my flesh? Why do I keep looking to my situations and not Jesus? You must be calling us to look to you. You must be calling us to look at these clear truths of Scripture that spell it out for us. This is who Jesus is. The Lord is working it for your good. Church, I want to tell you today that there's not one moment, there's not one second of your trial, of your hard day that isn't being worked for your good. Do you believe that? Yeah? There's not one moment of your situation that the Lord isn't aware of, hasn't been acquainted with, that isn't working for your good. Not one ounce. And I'm telling you, the devil's going to tell you otherwise. But there isn't one moment, not the hardest, most pressing part, not the, the, the part that where it seems Jesus is the furthest from you. There is not one second that's not being worked for your good. Why? How do we know that? Because Romans 8 says, he works what things? Say it out loud. What things? All things. Is there anything? No. There's not one thing that isn't being worked for your good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Have we lost the glory and the wonder of Jesus where we don't just grab hold of this and we go, this is truth. 
I'm riding this all the way. I don't. I don't. I'm humbly standing before you that I have been so humbled this week by going, these verses get lost on me because I see my flesh before I see Jesus. So many times. So many times. It's real. It's a struggle. Paul doesn't say these, you know, these these times that are a little bit uncomfortable. No, he acknowledges these afflictions are real, but they're working for our good. Psalm 139 says, you've been knit together in your mother's womb. Your days have been ordained. And you think about the story of Joseph, right? We all, you know, when someone talks about this, they often talk about Joseph. When he talks to his brothers, he says, everything that the enemy meant for evil, God has meant for? Joseph isn't your story. Maybe you don't have siblings that dug a pit and stuck you in it. You know, maybe you haven't been falsely accused of a sexual misconduct, even though that's becoming far more rampant in today's age. And so there may be a possibility, but maybe that's not your story. But I bet you there's many here that feel you have been imprisoned. You have been imprisoned. You are going through a situation that makes you feel locked up and tied down. Amen. How many people feel like you've been there? How many feel like you're there right now? No, put up your hand. Let's just be honest. Now you're stuck in a hard place. Jesus says, I'm working it for your good. You can trust me. I've been there. I made the world. And I'm working it for your good. Because that's what I do. Because I only know how to win. I don't know how to lose. I only know how to win. I don't know how to lose. I've never been late. I never will be late. I just know how to win. Yeah. I think there's no better, bigger proof than Jesus works. God works things for the good and he pre-plans things than the cross. If we see in the Garden of Eden, God is already speaking to the enemy that you're going to maybe bruise his heel, but he's going to crush you and reign over you in victory. And if he said it there, what does that say about the whole Bible? It's his purposed plan that he's working everything for our good. Doesn't it? Doesn't this sort of whisper of like he's telling the future, this is what's going to happen. It's going to turn out really good. In Genesis, how much more can we own this truth that God sees us? He knit us together. He sees us. He's going to work it for our good. Hallelujah. He's working it for our good. Thirdly, the Lord is providing. You know, it's not just, it's not enough for our Father to be acquainted with our situations. He goes on to let us know that he's planned it. He's aware. He is purposing it. He is working it for our good. But it's like he also acknowledges, I know it's tough. So I'm going to meet you in that place. And I'm going to give you what you need to walk through your situation today. And this is where I was talking. I was really humbled by like these simple truths that I was having a hard time grasping. Uh, I got a text this week. I'm not, I think it was Friday-ish. And uh, it was a Manitoba number, so that's the only reason I, I responded. But it said, hey, are you ignoring my texts? How come you haven't responded to me? And there's so many new people in the church, okay, that I thought maybe this is someone from the church. So I said, uh, the question was, are you ignoring me? How come you haven't responded to my text? I said, maybe, but do I know you, question mark? And then they never responded. It was a Manitoba 204 number, right? Well, the next day, as I'm thinking through this stuff, it's just going through my mind. They respond, my name is Mercy. And I, I was like just stuck for a moment where... Because I've been looking at this scripture, Lamentation 3, 22 to 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I've been thinking about how the fact, how I totally forget about that in my trials, in my struggles. And I get this text. Hey, are you ignoring me? I texted you. I told you this. My name is Mercy. And I was like, I was totally ignoring you. Man, I was convicted. Church, are you ignoring texts from the Lord that says, Hi, my name is Mercy. 
What about scriptures that say my grace is completely sufficient for you? For what? My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm just no, I'm gonna ignore that text. Church, the Lord is providing for you. I mean, He's just giving of Himself. He says in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed you and shall refute every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. There is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. This story, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Man, he knows your situation. He has planned your situation, but that's not enough. He says here, here's some mercies. They're going to be new every morning for you to eat up, just to, just to live in, to consume yourself in. Here's some grace. It's going to be totally sufficient for you. I'm just going to heap this on you day after day being sufficient for you. I'm going to promise you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to tell you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And in all these things, I tend to look to my flesh. (sighs) Jesus is so amazing. He is so good. And number four, the Lord is with you. And he is emotionally involved. Praise Jesus for the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's like, it's not, it's not a good, it's not enough for me that I'm acquainted with your situation. It's not enough that I'm going to plan it and you can trust me, it's going to work out for your good. And it's not enough that I'm going to give you mercy and grace and promise you that no weapon's going to form against you, is going to prosper. How about I just put myself in you? Is that okay? Is that okay, church? Like, how about I just like say, disciples, don't go. Until I come in the form of the Holy Spirit. Now you stay. Church, stay. Don't walk. Don't take another step today without looking to Jesus and thanking him for his Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, that is reigning inside of you. And Jesus is aware. And he is for you. And he is in you and with you. Sometimes we sing stuff like that. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And as a worship leader, I'm like, he's already here. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, I do believe he can come in different ways. Okay, so I'll, I'll quantify that. But, but it's just this thing. It's like we sing these things, we get excited about them, but do we live them? That's what I was sitting here in, like... I'm sitting here singing these songs. I'm like, this is exactly it. You know how you know how your afflictions become light and momentary? When Jesus is in the room. When Jesus is in the room. That's the only way. It's they are impossible outside of Jesus. Because you can do no things on your own strength. But in all things. But through Christ, right? But through Christ, you can do all things. He is with you. He is here right now. Church, we're standing on holy ground. Holy ground. Holy ground. This is just truth. This is just truth. And I love just quoting scripture because I don't have to worry about you being offended at me. You can just be offended at Jesus for penning it. (laughs) Is that okay for me to say? Like, can I get even more excited, church? Like, honestly, I can. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. I was, I've, I've been going through this message in my head. How do I tell people this? How do I say this? And I'm not saying your afflictions are easy. I'm not at all. But I have got to go. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is, re- he's really, really, really real. He just is. And his word is true. It's unchangeable. It's true yesterday, today, and forever. It always will be. And he wants your mercy to be, his mercy to be really real for you in your time of need. He wants his grace to feel really sufficient for you. Man, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he's not only with you, but he's emotionally involved. 
Have you ever had a boss that would just like, he supplied your need, but you had no relationship with him? You know, it's like, he just pays the bill, but he takes care of you. But man, Jesus is so much more than that. He's emotionally involved. This is what I mean by that. Zephaniah 3.17, you know this is one of my favorite scriptures because I've said it before, right? Lisa's laughing. Here he goes again. No, seriously, this is one of the reasons why it's so impacting for me. The Lord your God is in your midst. Someone say amen. amen. Come on. A mighty one who will save. True story? Yes, it is. He already has. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Man, this is a God who isn't just sitting there on his throne, commanding his angels and spreading out, spreading out his mercy and grace, who has this stoic look on his face going, uh, my will be done on this earth and one day you will reign with me forever. It's going to be hard while you're getting there, but you will be with me one day. No! He understands what you're going through. And he literally exalts with joy over you. He loves you and he dances over you with loud singing. Does that sound like this stoic, uninvolved God to you? To me, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. He sees me in my time of need. He's with me in my time of need. He is faith-filled, perfect, and powerful. I cannot believe it. And then in times when Lazarus has, Lazarus has died, he weeps with the ladies, doesn't he? Like there's this soft, sensitive side, the gentle side of Jesus as he mourns and weeps with them. Man, our Father is so involved in our lives. It is crazy. Do you know this is one of the reasons as I, as I think about Jesus in this way, here it comes. This is why I can't sing reckless love. It's why I can't sing it. A, because nowhere in scripture does he say his love is reckless, but it is so purposeful and powerful and steadfast and planned and true and sharp and victorious that there's I, I, I don't have a place in my brain to say that this person when I'm walking through my my affirmities when I'm walking through my trials is reckless at all man he is so in control and so for you yeah. isn't that a better love That's why we sing steadfast. Have you noticed that when we sang that song? That's why we sing it. Because over and over and over in scripture, the steadfast love never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He knows he can't die. He knows that you win. He knows that he wins. He is for you. 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 And that as you look to him, all of a sudden, your afflictions start looking lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And you start thinking of eternity that goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on and never ends. And so your afflictions seem shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until they're light and momentary. And one day I'm going to be under the eternal weight of glory of King Jesus. serve a faithful God. He knows our situations. He joins us in our situations and he provides for us in our situations. Period. End of story. None of them are being wasted. They're all contributing to a joyful, satisfying weight of glory that church, we are going to inherit Church, we are going to inherit. We are being prepared for an eternal wait. Can I just write this down in your notebook? Your afflictions, your trials, they're working for you, not against you. They're working for you and not against you. Why? Because the Bible says they are. 
right there. Preparing you. I don't have a ton of time. I'm going to speed through these. But how are they preparing for you, church? I want to suggest that, number one, they're preparing and helping you identify with Christ. To identify with someone, you need to kind of walk a mile in their shoes. Amen? Like, to truly, truly know someone... It helps to spend some time with them in the things that they do. If I want to know Pierre, well, I'm going to have to get on the basketball court. That's one of the ways. And I'm going to have to go through the paces. And just fill in the blank. If you want to know, you know, if I want to know Andy, I'm going to spend some time with Andy doing the things that Andy does doing the things that Andy loves, experiencing the things that Andy experiences, I'm going to come to know Andy. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to walk with Christ in the things that he has walked in and walks in now. Because being a disciple of Christ means that you start to look like Christ, right? If someone tells you they're a disciple of Jesus, but they don't look like Jesus, you can say, oh... Are you really a disciple of Jesus? And trials and tribulations, they have a great way of helping us to identify with Jesus. And thus know him more. I wish there was another way, but there isn't another way. (laughs) Number two, they draw us to repentance Afflictions is a call for us to turn from treasuring anything on earth above God. Man, they have a great way. This is a really silly illustration. I'm just going to say because it's the only thing the Lord brought to my mind when I was thinking about this. But I, cause I was telling my daughter this on the way home the other day. I was asking her how her day was. I forget how our conversation went, but some whatever. Uh, I said, you know what? You know what helps me to to thank Jesus and repent of some bad attitudes is that when I get a canker sore on my lip, right? Ever had one of those things? Right? Yeah, they suck. Yeah, they suck. It's like every time I talk, it hurts. And every time I eat, it hurts. Every chew, every move hurts. And I always think this thought, Lord, forgive me for not treasuring my health. More. It's the simplest little thing, right? And there's people in this room where, if only it was a canker sore. I, I get, I'm not. I'm not trying to minimize. I'm just saying for me, it's like there's this like thing that just goes, man. I just, I feel like it draws my knees to repentance, where I'm like, Jesus, I'm so sorry for taking what you give me for granted. And we're all called to live lives of repentance. Repent with repentant hearts before Jesus. Number three teaches us to, our afflictions can teach us to rely on God. It's a call to trust on God, to trust in Him. Second Corinthians 1, 8 to 9 says, we, are, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Listen to this. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Preparation to cling to Christ above any other thing on this planet. Afflictions naturally draw us right there. Oh, Jesus, it's got to be you and only you. It's got to be Jesus. Number four, it helps us be an encouragement to others. Uh, man, when we go through difficult times, it becomes easier to us for us to identify and minister to others who are also suffering. Amen? Right? This goes back to the same thing. Like if you, 
you know, how many times do we go for, go to a conference because there's a speaker there who has gone through something, right? And their words carry weight. Is that true? Like when someone has walked a road that, that maybe you're walking or haven't walked, man, those words carry weight. So newsflash, like this life isn't about you. Amen. It's God's will that none should perish, but all should come to an eternal life with him. And man, when we go through things, when we walk hard roads, we get this extra, it feels like we get this extra tool in our belt to make Jesus look gloriously awesome, where maybe the next person can't. Have you ever come across someone like that? It's just like, wow, their words carry weight. Paul actually says, just before the portion of scripture that we're looking at, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. Man, Jesus wants to be famous, not only in your life, but the person sitting beside you. Not just the person sitting beside you, but the person you work with that doesn't know him. He wants to be famous in their hearts, in their lives. And this is saying these afflictions, man, they're preparing you for an eternal glory. And God wants to use them to help prepare other people for an eternal glory. Amen. Do you have family members? Do you have friends? Do you have names coming into your mind right now that you're like, oh, Jesus, may they know you and come into that eternal weight of glory. What would you be willing to walk through so that your loved one knew Jesus? There's a tough question. What would you, what, what would you be willing to do? What would you be willing to go through? Number five, the Bible says that our afflictions yield a fruit of righteousness. Hebrews 12, 6 to 10 to 11. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves. He chastises every son in whom he receives. He disciplines us, what? For our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, rather unpleasant. Sorry, rather than pleasant. Well, rather unpleasant works. But later, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Yeah, amen. Amen. Being discipled into Jesus. Our sanctification being a process, man. These are times where we can be like, man, I'm, it's just making me more like Jesus. Which was Rob's response to me as I sat there in tears exclaiming, how do I preach this message? How do I consider it joy? How do I not lose heart? How do I see my afflictions as light and momentary? He looks at me with all the love. Looks like you're a man being shaped in the righteousness of Jesus. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. (laughs) For my good. It's for my good. It's for my kids' good. It's for your good. Everybody who's close to me, it's for their good. Man, Jesus wants to be known above all things. And he gives us opportunity to do it powerfully and effectively. And lastly, come on. Our afflictions produce for us a great reward. Amen. Oh, man. Let's just end by talking. Can we just talk about this a little bit? Because I've been like, (laughs) I've been daydreaming about this eternal reward. And I'm just like, what would this be like? Like, what would an eternal weight of glory feel like? So put your hands up if you feel like your afflictions are heavy. Yeah, they don't, they do, right? Don't minimize that, right? Because the heavier they feel, the more glory is, is bigger, right? Have you heard me talk about the fact don't minimize your sin? Because we try to minimize ourselves, our sin, but when we minimize the sin, it actually minimizes the cross. But as you see your cross being ugly and gross to Jesus, then the cross becomes victorious. 
marvelous and glorious, right? Because it kills big sins of which we have. Well, an eternal weight of glory, our afflictions, man, if they feel heavy, what would a weight of glory feel like? Honestly, what would it feel like? So I want you to think of the, the best feeling you've ever had, okay? Like in your flesh, like right now, the best feeling, the best moment that you've ever had. I'll just give you like 15 seconds to think about that. Okay, I just, no, I'm serious. I want you to think about it. Think right now. What was the best feeling I ever had? Best, best moment on earth. Best moment on earth. Best feeling on earth. I know what mine is. Everybody know what yours is? Okay, now times that by a thousand and have it never end. Right? You're smiling. Like, you're smiling. like what would that be like? Man, you need to be prepared for that. Don't you? It's like right now, if you came into that glory, you probably would explode and die. That's what I'm thinking, right? But think of that moment. Think of that feeling. Think of that peace. Think of that not being sick. Think of that hope. Think of it like just forever and ever and ever. And it was so heavy that you couldn't even stand. You're just like, oh, and you're just coming into the presence of Jesus. It is so good that you don't even know where to leave yourself. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it, Jesus. I can't imagine it, Jesus. I mean, it is so glorious. In, in Romans 8, Paul actually says it's not even worth comparing. We're trying to compare. I should stop. Paul says it's not even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to you. You can't, you, you can't even, you can't even to be revealed to you. Church, we haven't seen it yet. So Paul says it's going to be revealed to us. And I thought, wow, you know, because listen to scripture. Romans 1.20 says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. We can see Jesus in the things that have been made, church. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaim his handiwork. Oh, no, I went too far. doesn't matter. Day after day, creation is declaring the glory of God. Day after day, day after day, can be clearly perceived in the things that are made. We see a glimpse of who Jesus is. Can you put that title screen back up? Apparently, I think glory is like the foothills of Alberta, right? Like that's apparently, it's it's just a, a little shot. But, man, creation is declaring who who the Father is. Man, these, these mountains declaring there's something about his strength. I, when I see them, I just think, man, our God is mighty and majestic and strong. When I drive through the prairies, I don't think he's boring. I think, man, he's peaceful. And, man, he is gentle and loving. When I see water flowing, I mean, he is strong. He changes situations. When I think of the stars that are so grand, and though he just made by the breath of his nostril, he is magnificent and glorious. When I think of the sun, and then if it was any closer to earth, we would burn up. And if it was any further away, we would freeze to death. Man, he is powerful. And precise. When I look out my front window in the evening and I see a sunset, I'm like, he is beautiful. Man, have you ever seen a sunset that just makes you go, that is beautiful. Man, that is beautiful. I'll tell you this. It's saying something about your eternal glory. But it's not all there. It's going to be revealed to you. It has yet to be revealed to you. Church, the reward that we're coming into is so massively disproportionate to what you're feeling right now that it's not even worth comparing. And I say that with all gentleness while at the same time with all bigger and truthfulness and excitement 
As we look to the things that are unseen. As we look to Jesus. The things that are unseen. His unseen mercy. His unseen grace. His unseen love. Day after day. Walking with us. Living in us. Being for us. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. It's the practical application. If you're waiting for like a practical application list, you know, I had someone ask me, how do I do that, Greg? That's a great question. Cling to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Believe. Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm fighting now daily to believe in Jesus. Uh, Sorry, let me clarify that. (laughs) It's like, our pastor doesn't always believe in Jesus. It's kind of funny, but sometimes I, it feels like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, I just want to lead you in believing that Jesus is who he says he is. That's the bottom line. I want to lead you in that. I want to set the bar and set the tone. And that doesn't mean there aren't hard days. But it believes that it means that he is who he says he is. And so I want to tell you that he is who he says he is. Because I can't wait to be in glory with you all. That's such a powerful weight of glory that it's beyond all comparison. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that we've been singing songs about who you are. And they're true. I thank you that we can sing them and know that they're true. That we can believe in you, that we can trust in you and know that you are there, that you are providing that you know our situations, that you're involved in our situations, and that you've given us a hope for an eternal glory. God, you are so good to us. You are so good to us. You're only good. Would you help us to own it? Father, would you help us to push back against the lies of the enemy? Right now, in the name of Jesus. God, I just, I just come against the lies and wrong thinking in the name of Jesus. That our thoughts would come into alignment with your scripture and your truth. That our faith would come into line. God, would you help us? We need your help, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.